Hello, my friends. Welcome. This is the Joe Martino Show. What are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about some concepts that will help us be better communicators when we disagree. Whether we're talking about the COVID-19 virus, whether we're talking about Donald J. Trump, Barack Obama, or how we should discipline our children. Whether we're talking about the future of schools and schooling and whether or not it'll all be online next year. Are we ever going to get another Rose Day, Rose Bowl Day parade? Whatever it is we're talking about, let's use these four principles to have better communication. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, let's uh, kick this off. Let's, what are we going to talk about today? I mean, we, there's plenty we could talk about. Things are getting canceled. Uh, parades that happen for Thanksgiving have been canceled. Parades that happen for Christmas have been canceled. Rumors that more are coming. Uh, friends on my right say that uh, President Trump has gone above and beyond. Friends on my left say he's done nothing. Friends on my left say that Governor Whitmer has been amazing, for those of you who live here in Michigan. Friends on my right say that she's a tyrant. Uh, and friends in the middle have different opinions. He- here's what I think about this, this pandemic, epidemic thing that we're dealing with. And we're not actually going to talk about this today. I don't think. We either have lost or do not have, never had, the ability to have critical thought conversations. It's everywhere. I don't care if you're talking about what Trump's done, what Whitmer's done, what your governor's done, what your governor hasn't done, what your local fairground did or didn't do uh, with a dunk tank. Uh, Whatever, we don't have critical conversations about what's going on in our lives. I've watched, I've listened to, I've been a part of conversations where people don't actually employ logical skills. And it is going, it, I really, like, I am not the, oh my goodness, the sky is falling, society's over, but it will destroy, a, a society that cannot critically think will be destroyed from within. It will literally destroy itself. Because if your feelings run the show, I'm not saying you ignore your feelings, I am a counselor. I, I, I believe in the value of feelings. But if your feelings run the show, you cannot think through what you're feeling and make decisions to act against what you're feeling. And that is this, that is our society's response to this pandemic. And before anybody starts, you know, with, well, you know, we should honor our feelings by always acting out of them. We don't actually believe that at all. I guarantee you we don't believe that. Because one of the things that we teach our children is that even when you feel like hitting someone, you don't. When you feel like doing this, it, 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 we start that at such a young age, but then somewhere... I maybe in the tween years, maybe even earlier than that, we stop and we're like, okay, well, if that's how you feel, then we have to honor that by living out of it. And that is just straight up hogwash. There is no value to it. I, I'm, you know, and, and I, I hear false equivalency arguments like, well, if masks don't work, why do doctors wear them? Well, actually, doctors don't wear homemade mask or cloth mask or bandanas wrapped around their face, they wear medical masks. So you're not comparing the same thing there. You're making a logical fallacy. 
well, this is, this is created by the Democrats and there's 15 states, country states that have agreed to create it to bring Trump down. Really? He's done in four years. Even if he gets reelected, he gets eight years total. Like, how do you... I mean, we, we've been around a while. Like, there's just not logical arguments. And it's time that we step back from the feelings altar, stop sacrificing to the, to the God of feelings, stop worshiping at the altar of feelings, and we start to critically think about how we feel and then decide what is the best course of action using both logic while honoring feelings. I think what's highlighting this is the fact that we're all scared. We're all scared we're going to get it. We're going to die. We're going to relive Italy. Italy's going to get shut down. And actually, that's a great illustration of how you can't have a critical conversation. And part of it is is because the English language has so many words that, are, that sound alike and have different meanings, often when people think critical, well, you're just criticizing me and you're a hater. But, but if, you want to, if you want to test my theory about the fact that we struggle to have critical conversations in America, find someone who believes we should go to socialized medicine and ask them, hey, have you considered the possibility that the reason Italy had such a problem was because they have socialized medicine? The conversation won't go anywhere most of the time. Maybe you know a friend, I hope you know friends, that you could have those types of conversations with. But it won't, it won't go anywhere because immediately there's fire and brimstone and we are like in a 1945 tent revival meeting and the only thing is instead of preaching the Bible, the person's preaching their own political ideology. And it's killing us. It is literally killing our country. It is destroying us. And I'm sick of it. I'm tired of people being keyboard warriors. All they have to do all day is put up uh, articles about how either masks are designed by the government to control our lives, or if you don't believe in wearing a mask, you just don't care about people. Maybe those are the only two possibilities, but I doubt it. And, and maybe we could actually learn to honor each other. Maybe we could actually learn to disagree. Part of it is, and we've talked about this in the past, I think we think we have to be friends with everybody. Somebody uh, put up a picture of a tweet the other day where... Uh, uh, it was it was some it was a sarcasm post and someone tweeted that one of the one of Jesus's underexplored miracles was the fact that he had 12 close friends in his 30s and immediately somebody put up well we know how the one ended which is funny but it also kind of reveals a little bit about the psychological mindset of us when it comes to friendships we have to agree on everything and if we don't agree then we're done and then we are, uh, if the friendship ends badly, it was all a waste. So why even bother? Don't risk anything. Why even bother? And, and there's a lot there. And, and I realize I'm probably into rant land now. I'm probably beyond an introduction. And I'm into rant land. But this just drives me bonkers. Bonkers. I'm tired of it. And, I, and I'm hoping that we could start a movement where a lot of people are tired of it. And we could actually embrace the idea that you and I could be friends and we could disagree on something. You might think Honda's the best car ever made, and I might think, well, that's actually a, a lawnmower company. I'm a Ford man. 
because there's just something women like about a pickup truck. Those of you who enjoy country music will enjoy that joke. Those of you who think country music is redneck and backwards and I must be an idiot will not enjoy that joke. But we, we've got to change how we're having conversations about things that matter to us. That's what makes the COVID-19 uh, response so interesting for me as a mental health care professional to watch because it highlights almost all of the problems that I see in the room when I'm working with a couple, when I'm working with an individual. There's denial, there's dismissal, there's dis diminishing, or excuse me, there's diminishing of the other person's point, and it's attack, 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 not listen, listen, listen. And there's probably a host of reasons for that. Maybe I should actually script out a whole episode about how I think we, we've come to the place where we have these very narrow parameters of intensity that we're allowed to express in society. And so if someone expresses something outside of those very narrow parameters, they're yelling, they're a hater, they're whatever. And, and so we've lost it. We, we've, lost, we, we, we've lost the peace. You know, back in the day and when they used to plow fields, of course, they would use a horse and, and they would drag the plow behind the horse and, and, and how you would make sure, even, you know, with tractors, how you would make sure that your lines were straight is you would pick a point in the distance and you would make sure that you were constantly headed to that spot and, and that would make your line straight. We have to be able to do that with our logic and our brain and our thinking through our emotions and our feelings. We've got to find the place that we want to head to. Because, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not the chicken little guy, but I am concerned. We've lost our ability to have critical conversations, and relationships are blowing up about it. I put up a, a question on my own personal Facebook page a few weeks ago uh, regarding someone said, why can't we um, share political views without getting angry? I'm like, well, I, I want to know why we can't share political views, have political conversations without hating. And people are like, well, I just think this is one, one person, a guy I know, uh, who, who lives in Georgia, he said to me, well, I just think that this is not an actual reality. It's just people disagree. And then somebody will be like, oh, well, they're just hating on me. Quote, haters going to hate. And I think that's part of it. Like we've definitely embraced part of that as, as a society. We've embraced that. If someone disagrees with you and you can label them a hater, you can disagree. You can just dismiss them. But then the reality is, and I told him this, I sit in the room with a lot of people who no longer talk to their adult parents because their parents support Trump, or they no longer talk to their adult children because their adult children supported uh, Bernie or Biden or whoever. Like, that's insanity to me. You're going to stop talking to a family member because of politics? Well, but politics matter. They drive our world. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we've gotten away from government for the people by the people. That's a whole nother day. Probably a different show altogether. Not even on this particular show, right? This is supposed to be about the things that make us human. But one of the things that makes us human is the fact that we don't agree and we should be able to disagree in a way that is healthy. And so to that end today, what I'm actually scheduled to talk to you about uh, I make a little schedule, usually about six to eight weeks, sometimes 12 weeks out. What I am scheduled to talk to you about today is how to communicate when you seem to keep running into road barriers of disagreement. A lot of times what happens is two people engage in a conversation, maybe two people that love each other, that promise to love each other forever, no matter what, for better or for worse. And, 
And we've talked about this in the past. The other person's doing something and you want them to do it differently. And rather than living in that tension, uh, they tend to try to control each other. They tend to try to manipulate each other. All things that you can see in the conversations regarding COVID-19 and the coronavirus response as a country. All the things that you see that are negative in those conversations, I often see in couples in therapy because we tend to communicate the same way. And so they twist over these disagreements, they get passive aggressive, they engage in the four emotional hazards, which if you remember, if you, if you haven't read my book yet, I'd highly recommend The Emotionally Secure Couple. You can find it wherever uh, books are sold. Amazon does have it uh, in the Kindle format. Unfortunately, because of my agreement with Amazon, uh, that is the only digital format currently. And so as they engage these conversations, they fall into these four emotional hazards, which is, first of all, the negative feedback loop. Everything goes wrong. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. Once, once the fire is set and you're off and running, everything is wrong. Uh, mutual blame. This is where it's not that we have a disagreement that's the problem or there is this behavior that's the problem. It's you are the problem. You are the issue that I think should change and, and, and becomes an attack. Then there's hunting and running. And you probably have heard this as blowing up and shutting down. I don't like the blowing up and hunting and shutting down analogy because a lot of times the hunter, which is typically labeled as the blower up or they don't yell, they're just sarcastic. And so the person uses sarcasm or they engage in yelling. They engage in some sort of verbal escalation to shut things down. And then the runner, they just tend to sit there and they don't actually do anything. It's just sitting there. And, and if you're dealing with someone who's a runner, it's just straight up. Silence. How many of you were like, wait, what just happened? Did I lose it? Did, did the recording break? Is there something wrong? It's just silence. And that was 10 seconds. We hate silence, especially when we're distressed most of the time. But the runner, they tend to, right, this is the shutter downer, they tend to go to the silence until they decide to blow up. And then once we're there, the fight is on. It is nuclear warfare. Uh, it is mythical warfare between two demigods. It is explosions and zingers and, and one-uppers. And it is terrible. And so we want to avoid those. We want to get away from those. Uh, we want to stop those. And one of the ways that we do that is we engage in some communication techniques that we've talked about in the past. We use things like, hey, when this happens, I feel, not it makes me, but when this happens, I feel. So when I see you just attacking people because they disagree with you about politics, I feel like you are being unkind and I feel uncomfortable. And we make sure that we position it that way. This happens. That's how I felt. When A happens, is said, is done, I feel this. And as we use those two techniques, we now have to use our logic to engage our feelings. Because sometimes we're going to come to the conclusion that, okay, we've had this conversation, we, we've gone rounds, because hopefully, here's what we're hoping for. When we engage the this, that method, then the other person engages in good listening skills, good response skills, and they, they respond to us with what we call here at the Joe Martino Counseling Network, what I, what I call mirroring. There's a bunch of different ways that, that that technique has been explained, that has been discussed. 
What we talk about is, if you think about it like you're playing catch with a person, you catch their words, what they're communicating to you, which always consists of two basic things, facts and feelings, and then you reflect that back to them so that they can uh, confirm to you that yes, you did hear them correctly or no, you didn't. And you get a little bit of uh, some data points there so that you can respond appropriately. And at some point, there are times that you might do that and you might do that. And we call one evolution is where someone says, hey, this happened, I felt that, and the person mirrors it and it's confirmed or it's explained. That's one evolution. And you might get to the end of one of those evolutions and be like, okay, we're probably not going to agree. In fact, I just did this this morning. Uh, I, I was talking to somebody about something and, and they kept going this way and I kept trying to bring it back and they kept going this way. And I finally was like, hey, you know, I don't really feel that this conversation is getting us anywhere. I feel like I understand what you're saying. Let me express it. This is what I'm saying. Uh, I, I feel like you got that. And we just disagree. Uh, unless you have something new to add, maybe we can move on to a different topic or we can stop talking for right now and pick it up next week or whatever we need to do. There's plenty of times that it's okay to walk away from a conversation. But what do you do if you can't? What if it's your husband, your wife, your spouse? What if it's your kids? What if it's someone you love and care about? And it is something you just keep bumping into. Well, then you have to figure out what is a compromise. How do we move forward? And here's one of the things that happens is, especially when we're talking about couples, when they get caught, they get caught up in the problem. But again, all of these can be illustrated with how we're dealing with the COVID-19 situation as a country. We only talk about the problems. And part of that might be because we're conditioning ourselves uh, through, through the news, right? You're either informed uh, or you don't listen to the news. Well, there's probably, you know, two in between. I always love when people are like, well, which news station do you prefer? And I'm like, I think they're all biased. Oh, so you're not informed. I guess maybe that's a conclusion you could come to, but I don't find that people who consume the news regularly and then get dialed up about it are healthy. Now, I want to make sure you heard that middle part and then get dialed up about it are healthy. And so, you know, we condition ourselves to just hear the problem. So here's what we want to do. I want you to really think this through. Once you're engaging in the good communication techniques, you do have to be able to define the problem. If there is two of you, so let's say it's you and your spouse, you and your, your life partner, what is your problem? What is their problem? What is your view of the problem? What is their view of the problem? You need to be able to define that down to one or two sentences. And most people, that's where they stop. You said this. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I got messed up on the pronouns there. And then what is the solution? And here's the thing about this. Most people get caught in a conceptual solution. That's it. All they do is they bring up the concept. Well, I need you to be more affectionate. I need you to be more trustworthy. I need you to blah, blah, blah. Whatever the blah, blah, blah is, if it's just a concept and there isn't measurement to it, we're in trouble. To that end, here are four, uh, not rules, but, but four steps that I think you will find helpful in an attempt to have better conversations with people you love and disagree with. And even if you don't love them, but you disagree with them, you can still utilize this as a means of good conversation. Because especially for couples, one of the things that happens is, well, let's just say that I said to you, I don't think cloth masks are effective. Here's what I've noticed. People then assume I don't wear a cloth mask, or, or, which isn't true. So I have to listen to that, but I've got to be able to listen and respond in a way that fosters conversation. Or let's say to you that I liked some of Barack Obama's policies and some of Donald Trump's policies. Uh, 
then I, I must be have serious issues that I can't resolve. So we start with seeking for points of agreement. Whenever you're having a conversation with someone, seek out points of agreement because most of the time these disagreements come down to, uh, I want you to do something you're not doing, or I want you to do it in a way that you're not doing it. And so the fires start. And, and a lot of times this is like at home with the person we love, but I see it in society again. So you think about it, let's say that uh, somebody wants to go back to school or someone wants to, well, I'll give you one. A couple years ago, I wanted to take a course on public speaking. And I felt like my public speaking portion of my career had kind of stagnated. I, I was speaking a couple times a year, uh, locally, even regionally, but I, wa I wanted to grow that. And so I, I found this course online that was a a course to help you grow your speaking uh, skills. And I went to my wife, I'm like, hey, I wanna do this, but it costs this. And she's like, that's a lot of money. I'm like, I agree, that's a lot of money. There's a point of agreement. She was like, I'm not sure we have the money to spend right now. I'm like, I actually, I, I agree that we might not. Here's my concerns about, uh, or here's why I wanna do it. This is what I'm hoping to accomplish by doing it. Now I'm defining the solution. This is what I'm hoping to do by, by, by doing it. Here's how I think we fund it. Etc. We ran it out, and I ended up not doing it. Uh, but we started out with finding points of agreement. And one of the things I said to her was, I said, I'm afraid if I don't add to my toolbox that I will not actually go past this place that I'm at. And, and it's a goal of mine to go past the place that I'm at. And so I, I, I have to, and she's like, yeah, I can see that. And so we're, we're seeking out points of agreement. That's the very first thing we want to do. Whenever we're disagreeing with someone, we, we want to find the points where we agree. Because a lot of the times you're going to agree on more things than you disagree on. Now, there are some people that I just almost always disagree with them. I actually have some people that I really appreciate in my life. But when we get out of very, very close to home topics, I disagree with them on almost everything. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I love teaching and learning and schools and teachers, and I think we need reform. And to me, those are not mutually exclusive. I'm not sure I trust all the numbers that I hear every day uh, regarding COVID-19, regarding who's leading what poll, because our world has become, uh, I'm afraid our world has become this thing where it doesn't matter if I lie, if it furthers my point. And that concerns me. So I, I try to embrace those things. And I have some friends who are like, I just can't believe you'd say that. Well, I don't know what to tell you because that's how I feel and you ask me how I feel. Now, we can debate whether or not the conclusions that led to that feeling matter, but we could agree on things. And here's what happens. When we start, when we start to dismiss people for any disagreement, we miss out on all the points that we agree on. When we start, I'm going to say that again. When we start to dismiss people for any point of disagreement, we miss out on all the points that we agree on. So you start by learning or, or by seeking out points of agreement. See, I keep pausing because I have an illustration that's actually in my, I don't write out a script every week. Sometimes I just write out an outline and I have an illustration that I think I'm going to skip because I think it's a little too close to the town I live in. Okay, so there's my, I don't know, that's at least one ADHD moment for this, this episode. So as we do this, as we seek out these points of agreement, 
what we're trying to be on the lookout for is the idea that we're trying to control the other person or that we're actually just giving them information that isn't helpful to the relationship. We're, we're ranting at them. We don't want to do that. So, so we want to back that down. We're just focusing on the disagreements. We don't want to do that. We want to back that down. We're just kind of barking and, and we, we want to back that down. So, so that's what we're on the lookout for. That's why we're looking for points of agreement. Then the next two steps go hand in hand. The first one is we run it inside. And, and sometimes people are like, well, wait, what does that mean? We run it inside. What you want to do is you want to listen for the nuggets of truth that are in their criticism or their disagreement. So I have some friends who are pretty pick the president, anti that president. And one of the things that I often tell them is if they're my friend, if they're not my friend, I just kind of mirror them and then I move on. But if they're my friend, one of the things I tell them is, hey, it would be important to consider the fact that you don't know that president. You disagree with their policies or this thing that they did. So, so maybe you ought to talk about how you disagree with that because one of the six rules of good communication is dealing with issues, not people. And that's important uh, for people to accept. And so when you're talking to your spouse, this is a person that you love, that you've promised to love forever. Or when you're talking to your children, I've, I've, it's amazing to me when I watch people talk to their children they just dismiss anything their children tell them about the, what they could improve on. Hey, Dad, maybe you could do this. And it's just dismissed. Hey, Mom, maybe you could do this. And it's just dismissed. And, and, and if that mom or dad wants to be a good listener, if that spouse wants to be a good communicator, they have to hear the criticism and run it inside first for, okay, you know, maybe that is it. Maybe that is something that I need to change. Maybe that is something that I need to improve. I, I'm amazed, honestly amazed, how many times I sit in a room with people and they're going through the divorce process, which is terrible. I would never wish that on anyone. And they have a history where their spouse and they tend to bang heads on what to do, on how to do it. And so the last time we met, I was like, okay, you're going to go to your spouse and, and you want to ask for this. So we're going to practice that right now. And we practice it and they iron it out. And they go to their ex-spouse and they ask and they get what they want and they're mad. Because of this little ancillary thing over here. Well, they didn't want to do it three months ago when I wanted them to. That's silly. Like that is a great way to shut down conversation and communication. If you run it inside first, you're seeking points of agreements and then you take the information and you run it inside first, you listen to what's going on. And here's what happens. When you run it inside first, you can avoid mutual blame, which is is that second emotional hazard that we talked about. So if my wife comes to me and she says, hey, I think you were too hard on Joey. My gut natural reaction is like, no, I wasn't. But if I'm going to run it in first, I have to actually examine myself. I have to stop and examine myself and, and ask myself, well, maybe I was. Or maybe I could say to her, okay, well, what did I do that was too harsh. What do you think I did that was too harsh? And then I have to take that answer and run it inside. Running it inside means I take that information and I examine my own self. I examine my heart, my actions. I might ask myself questions. Well, if someone did to me what I just did to my son, how would I feel? Or if someone said to me, maybe she's like, hey, you said this to me and it hurt my feelings. Or I feel like it was too harsh. Okay, fine. 
I, it, would I feel like that was too harsh? Because that's possible. Or, yeah, I could see how you, you feel like that was too harsh. I, I, I raised my voice. Or I might even say, I'm not sure I agree. But here's the thing. The more often my, my spouse or the person that I'm in conversation with sees me run it inside and say, okay, you know what? I can actually see that because we're, we're seeking points of agreement first. And then as I run it inside, be like, yep, okay, yeah, oh yeah, I, oh, I did that. Did not mean to, I apologize. The more times I build that, I do that, I build a relational equity and it, it allows me to be a better communicator. The more times I go to my kids and be like, oh, yep, you were right, I was wrong there. It makes me a better communicator to my children. What I typically see when I'm working with a couple is the husband brings a criticism to the wife and she responds with an immediate, well, no, you're wrong and here's why I'm right, to which he responds with an immediate, no, you're wrong and here's why I'm right. And, and they never actually stop to run it inside and examine themselves. Because once you do that, you can run it out. And you could actually say, I'm not sure I agree with you. Now, we still want to do all good rules of communication, good principles. Is it kind? Is it the kindest way that I could say it? Is it gracious? But we might end up with, no, I don't think I agree with you that I did that. I don't think I agree with you that I was too harsh on him. I don't think I agree with you that that's too severe a punishment. I don't think I agree with you, whatever it is. Uh, and we might even say, like one now I was working with a couple and the wife said, I feel like, and they had come to me for a while. They, they had achieved their goals. They graduated and they came back and Okay, hey, what's going on? She's like, I just feel like he's been uh, more hard on me the last two months, three months. And I was like, okay, what do you think that he's done? And she gave me illustrations, and one by one, he kind of went through and refuted them. And what I thought was interesting was, even as he refuted them, she agreed with him. Like, well, the one, he gave me a dirty look. And he's like, there's no way you could know that I gave you a dirty look. My back was to you. It was dark. And she was like, Okay, well, that's actually true. To which then I immediately am like, well, wait, how do you know if he gave you a dirty face if his back was to you and it was dark? That doesn't make sense. Well, it was his tone. Okay, so was it a dirty look or was it his tone? And so we kind of worked through that for a whole session. The next week they come in and he says, I want to propose something. I think that a lot of this, I've been harder on her the last two months is because her mom is dying and that is taking a toll on her because the, 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 her mom, his mother-in-law, obviously, lived with them and she was providing hospice care. And that is taking a toll on her that we would, had not considered before all of, all of it started. And so when it comes to interpretation energy, she's running out. He obviously had a good counselor because he used great words there. That was a joke. But as you do that, as you run that out, that's running it out. He ran it in first. He listened to her. Uh, he pointed out, hey, look, my back was turned. It was dark. One other time he was like, yep, nope, she's right there. I definitely did. Uh, their son, he and, he and their son were working on a car. Um, that's what they do together. And I guess he smashed his hand. Obviously, I wasn't there. And, and federal and state laws won't allow me to put cameras up in clients' homes. Uh and, and so they, he smashed his hand. She came into the garage as he smashed his hand, and he barked at her. And so he apologized. He made it right. He ran it in, then he ran it out. Run it in, run it out. Run it in, run it out. Run it in, run it out. Are you getting a theme there? Because here's what happened. Because he ran it in first, she was very receptive to him running it out. She was very open to him running it out to her. And, and I've seen this true in discussions over politics. I've seen it true in almost any discussion. 
where there's disagreement. You run it in first, then you run it out. That's very important. As you do that, the last step is triple D, baby. Define, define, define. Make sure you agree on words. I once said to a client, like I say often to clients, trust is always given, it's never earned. If that's the first time you've heard it, maybe you disagree. The other person has to prove themselves trustworthy, but it's impossible to earn something that is given to you. That, that by definition, those two words cannot coexist around the same thing. And immediately, the, the client disagreed with me. That's not right. That's not accurate. He has to earn it. Nope, he has to prove himself trustworthy. Well, now you're splitting semantics. No, I'm not. I'm trying to define, define, define. Worked with a couple one time and the wife said, I need him to initiate sex more. Okay, how many times last year did he initiate sex? And the first off, here's what's interesting. I asked how many times he initiated it. What she said was, well, we probably had sex about six times last year. Once every other month. That's not what I asked. Not that it's wrong that she answered that, but I want to point out that's why we get, that's why we stay in the define, define, define. Because let's just say, no, there is no emotional energy from me into this conversation about how many times they're having sex. But if it's the two of them and there's a high emotional energy and they're ready to fight and he asks a question and she answers one that he didn't ask, they're off and running. Just for fun, get on Facebook today, find your friend, you know, the one who's always arguing with people and go read the comments. I promise you, most of the comments do not follow topic. In other words, comment one will be blah, 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 point, point, point. Comment two won't actually deal with comment one. It'll take a half a sentence and go somewhere else. Comment three will take a half a sentence and go somewhere else. And it is location, verbal, ping pong. And so I said, I said, okay, so you had sex about six times last year. Yep, notice the mirroring, right? Because that's good communication. How many of those times did he initiate? Zero. Okay. Go home and initiate sex tonight and you've accomplished her goal, dude. Congratulations. Well, no, that isn't what I mean. Right. So we want to define, define, define. Uh, what are red flags in a relationship? There's some definitive ones. Disagreements isn't one of them. But how the person responds in a disagreement probably is. And we can define that. Or let's say that one of the spouses says, hey, I don't feel safe doing this because in the past when you did it, something bad happened. Okay. What would need to happen for you to feel safe? Well, I don't know. Okay, what could we do to mitigate your fear? Well, I don't know. Well, now we're kind of stuck because we've got to risk something. We've got to throw it out there. And we do that by definitions. Definitions bring risk, but they also bring measurable actions for change. Remember earlier when I said we need to define the solution, one of the things that we do is, is when we're in trouble, we get caught in, in conceptual changes. And, and what I mean by conceptual changes is, is think about the spouse. Let's say that there was a betrayal. And so we'll, we'll make him the bad guy this time. So the, the husband betrayed the wife somewhere in the past. And this is actually pretty common. And she says, well, I need him to be more trustworthy. And, and maybe it's an affair. Usually it's something this side of that. It's something less than that. Uh, maybe he looked at something online that, that violated their, their mutual agreement or, or their moral position together. Uh, maybe he did a business deal or bought something and, and lied to her. I need him to be more trustworthy. That's a conceptual solution. What she actually needs, and, and, and sometimes people balk at this, but what she actually needs to do is say, this is how he proves himself to be trustworthy. 
And it could be as simple as if he says he's going to do something, he does it, period. One of, one of the very best rules for parenting, don't let anything come out of your mouth that you're not really willing to do. I was at, uh, uh, in Meyer a couple years ago, uh, Red Box, going to take a movie back, and the woman in front of me had three, three boys with her. It was probably late November, early December. And all of a sudden she goes, if you don't stop, I'm going to cancel Christmas. Now, what I wanted to do is give her my business card and be like, hey, if you really want good solutions, give me a call. Solutions that'll work. Because that isn't, she's not going to enforce that. I, I don't know that woman. I suppose I need to leave a little bit of room that she could be that person who would actually cancel Christmas. But to be honest with you, I doubt it. And one of the things that I hear from parents a lot is, well, they just need to quit acting up. Well, what exactly do they need to do to quit acting up? One, one of the things my wife, who I affectionately call the Wizard of West Michigan, uh, she specializes in helping parents do a better job, including me, uh, although she doesn't charge me. Uh, but one of the things she talks about a lot is, are you giving your children emotional vocabulary? The ability to define how they're feeling. Emotional vocabulary. Okay, so I'm going to go over the four points for you one more time. And, and they should be in the description of the podcast if you didn't get them. Seek points of agreement. Run it in, then run it out. Define, define, define. Go after definitions. I really believe if you, if you govern your disagreements with these four principles and then use good communication tools around them, you'll find that you have better communications, more productive communications that help you grow as a person, help the people you love grow, and will improve all of your relationships. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Uh, I know you could do anything with your time. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. If you want to reach out to me, I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, I can't find any contact me page on the podcast page, which is probably true. Uh, you can find me on my on my own personal webpage, joemartino.com. There is a contact me page there. You can also email me, joe at joemartino.com, especially if you have a podcast question, anything going on there. I got a bunch of questions uh, this week about a host of topics that I hope to incorporate into future episodes. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.